Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's going to take the next few minutes to share some great words of hope, insight, humor, and relevance. In today's lost and searching world, that's something everyone desperately needs to hear. Speaking of that, we'd love to keep this conversation going with you anytime through our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, there's so many ways to connect with us from there that you really need to check it out for yourself, richardellistalks.com. But right now, let's go ahead and get things off and running with today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Need to Know. If you look up this phrase, need to know, it's used for describing the principle that secret information will only be given to people who need it to do a particular job. So if you're on a need to know basis, somebody may not be telling you everything. So this gets really frustrating when God kind of puts you on a need to know basis and you got questions and you want answers and you don't know what he's doing. And you're like, well, if you're not telling me, I'm out instead of just doing what people in scripture did. So turn to Genesis chapter 12, verse one, and let's start with a pretty simple one. Verse one says, now the Lord had said to Abram, and if you think it's a misspelling, it's not. Abram was his name originally, and when God made a covenant with him, the H sound was added to his name, Abraham, which is the same sound in Yahweh, the name for God. So at this point, he's just Abram. And the Lord said to Abram, these are simple instructions, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. That's it. Leave. And he's not a poor man. He's got property. He's got stuff. He's got people that have to go with him. And that's all the instruction he gets. Now hold that spot there and let me read you Hebrews eleven eight, And this is talking this chapter about faith. And it says in verse eight, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. So if God tells you, look, doesn't even say, trust me. He just says, look, here's what you're supposed to do. And implicit in that is trust me. This is what I'm telling you to do. You say, well, Lord, I need more information. He says, you know what? You're on a need to know basis. Do what I told you with what I told you. Start with what I've already said and either do that or don't do it. We say, well, I need more information before I'm going to do this. What that means is I want all the information so that I don't have to live by faith. So if you think about your life, I think about my life, even starting a church like this, you know, all I got was you got clearance to start a church, start a church. So you say, well, I just don't like the uncertainty of it. That's what faith is all about. I mentioned Joseph a lot. His brothers hate him, sell him into slavery, runs Potiphar's house, runs a prison, then becomes prime minister of Egypt. See, we read it all from beginning to end and go, oh, that turned out good. And Joseph says to his family, what you intended for evil, God meant for good. Okay, good, 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 good. Praise the Lord, it all worked out. But this guy had to live it. I'm telling you to trust me. And the kid held on. So what is it you're unwilling to proceed with because God hasn't told you past what he's told you. And you're like, well, I'm out till I get more information. Are you going to do something with what I've already told you? We've got a man in the church and I want to be careful about this. He's shared this years ago, actually worked in a school system in the administrative offices and couldn't read. You say, how is that possible? He's brilliant because he couldn't read. He had to memorize everything and remember everything to maneuver in a school system. And he couldn't read. Now, if someone who cannot read and write, let's say, comes to me and says, 
I can't read and write. I don't want to live this way anymore. Will you help me? And I say, okay, I'll help you. Meet with me on Tuesday. We sit down and I start drawing out a small A and a large A. And he says, what are you doing? Well, I'm going to have to teach you the, how to read and write the alphabet so that you'll be, I don't want to mess with that. I just want to be able to read. I'm like, well, sir, I understand that you want to be able to read, but let me explain to you what reading entails. A, A, or if you've been watching, you know, Mary Poppins, A. Well, I don't want to mess with all that. So God says, well, you want to know me. You want to read. You want to write. You want to do all this. Yeah. Well, I want some way around that. There's no way around it. So people come in and say, well, I got Jesus. I'm good. I'm like, yeah, you're good to go, but where are you going? Well, I don't want to mess with all that. And their life's a mess and they don't know why it's a mess. This is why people are not telling you more because they observe you're not doing anything with what you've got. So what is it about God? What is it about a relationship with God? What is it about walking with God, trusting him, obeying him, following him, all these things that there is so much more. And you say, well, why doesn't God show this to me? Because the simple stuff he shows you, you will not obey. And so you say, well, if you show me something else, I might do that. He said, A, I don't like the way A looks. Let's go to B. There ain't no alphabet without A. Even alphabet starts with A. <laughs> right? Well, I don't like this. If I do what this thing is he's showing me, then I'm going to have to suffer and I'm going to give something up. I'm going to have to change. I don't want to change. I just want to be a godly person without change. It doesn't work that way. Deuteronomy 29. Probably being a little choppy today in general, so I got to be really careful. Some of this comes from my frustration with myself and other people. And I really don't want anyone to be discouraged with what I'm about to say. Some of you who are not Christians are just dabbling, running your finger through the light. You have no interest in God. You're just curious. You're never going to believe. You won't make heaven because you don't care. You say, well, I'm listening. But if you really cared, today, if you hear his voice, you would not harden your heart. You'd say yes to Jesus. You wouldn't put this off. It's life or death. It's heaven and hell. It's eternity. So that's one group of people. The second group of people are people who are Christians. You're genuinely a Christian. You're going to make heaven and you don't give a rip. You might give a little money. You might even read your Bible once a week. But if somebody pushes you and challenges you and says, look, let's take this to the next level. I'm out, dude. You don't understand. I don't want to do this. So when you're a pastor, when you're an elder, when you're a teacher, when you're trying to help people move it forward, you realize that there are a ton of people in the room and in your audience, they're not interested in that. They want you to tell some, you know, well, that was such a great story. Wasn't that cool about that kid? And like, you don't care. You just want little warm fuzzies every once in a while. And this is what keeps people like me going. Every once in a while, somebody shows up. And they're like, dude, I'm working as hard as I can. I'm trying to grow. I'm chasing Jesus because I realize there's more and I want more. So you're never going to get more of God than you got the second you got saved. You just don't have any idea what you got when you got him, right? I have all of God in me right now that I'm ever going to have. I just have no idea who I've got. What is possible if God himself lives in your body? And if you allow him to run your life. Now, if you get a little curious about that and say, okay, Lord, it's game on. Let's go. I need to know you. I don't need to know stuff about you. I need to know you. 
And I'm sure there's more, not that I'm going to have more of you than I have. I want to know what you're up to, what you could do if I get out of the way, if I trust you. And if when you say, go someplace, you go, I'll show. And you say, okay, how could I not trust God? Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord, our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Now, what are those things? And what are the things that are revealed? Now, I guess it's only fair you say, well, what are you trying to say? So when I was six years old, I prayed. Looking back now, I know that Jesus moved into my life. But for whatever reason, it was not till my probably mid-20s in someone's home. And I don't know why it took so long. It was very frustrating. But in that moment, he revealed to me that he loved me. I had no idea. I've never recovered from that day. Because once I realized he loved me, now I have love from him that I could give back to him. So you say, well, I don't know that I know God loves me. Then ask him to show you. Ask him. He'll show you. It's not the kind of stuff he's hiding. But at some point, what he wants is for his children to come wanting him. I may need something, Lord, but more than I need what I need or want what I want, I just need you. You figure that stuff out. You seek first the kingdom of God, all this other stuff will happen. Go to Job. You know why Job got picked because of what you see, and he knows nothing of what has happened to him. But we get to read the behind the scenes, what really was going on. So we have the information Job did not have. Job 1.20, then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshiped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave all this stuff, these children, all this stuff the Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. Now, the devil in this meeting with God did not bring Job up. God brought Job up because of his relationship with Job and Job's relationship with him, right? So, you, you know, I say this jokingly, I don't want to be brought up in the meetings, but the goal should be to be brought up in the meetings because that means something's working. And if there were another meeting and he said, if you've seen my daughter, Susan, your name, my name comes up. Why are you bringing their name up? Oh, the devil knows why he's bringing your name up because even the devil knows you're going to trust him no matter what. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So something terrible happens in your life and you say, God, I need to know what's going on. Why are you letting this happen? Which these are reasonable questions. It's not reasonable if you really trust him to say, you know, big F you, God, I'm out. You let this happen to me or my kids or whatever and I'm out. But how do we get to a place where when whatever he allows, whatever happens, we go, okay, I got nowhere else to go. Who else am I going to turn to? Some wooden statue? Ears can't hear, mouth can't speak. I got the living God. And so he's allowed something. And I say, well, Lord, why did you allow this? He said, you know what? You're on a need to know basis. But for now, you trust me. And I say, what? Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Job chapter two, verse one. So now they have a second meeting. Stop having meetings. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you been? 
From where do you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, brings the poor guy up again. Have you considered my servant Job? And God already knows what the devil has brought on him already, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. And still he holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. So Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin. Yes, all that a man has, he'll give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, he's in your hand, but spare his life. You can do whatever you want to do. You can't take his life. So let me stop there. Are you in such a relationship with God? If God said, okay, you want to know what's going on? I am going to give Satan authority to do anything he wants to to you in your life, except take your life. Will you trust me anyway? You got to have some kind of working, walking relationship with God. If you had that information to say, okay, I'm in, let's go. Right? So he tells you, what are you going to do if he told you? What do we do when he doesn't tell us? Job chapter two. Verse seven, so Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. So apparently he has authority to pick the poison. What are we going to use on Job? We've got authority to jack with Job. Let's mess him up with boils. And he took for himself a potsherd with which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. Then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. That's her advice. So Miss Job and Mr. Job have different relationships. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and shall we not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. That's crazy stuff. You say, but what the heck? Why would God jack with Job in this way? Because we are talking about Job hundreds and hundreds of years later. Because for whatever reason, the devil's still walking around and his minions are still walking around jacking with people. But you got to decide what you're going to do when the consequences come or when he attacks. Am I going to trust him anyway or am I out? Let's say Isaiah 6 verse 9. And he said, go tell this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. Man, at some point in your life, if you think, you know what, I see other people growing and things changing and something's stagnant in my life. What's happened? Then say, Lord, if something has changed in my thinking, then I'm asking you to change my thinking again because I'm clearly not pursuing you. I want to return to you and be healed. In other words, my heart, whatever's wrong, my ears, whatever's going on with me, I'm telling you something has to be wrong because I hear, but I don't hear. I see, but I don't see. You say, well, what if he doesn't tell you? It's his business. If I'm on a need-to-know basis and he decides I need to know something, then let's go. And we've read this verse in the past, eye has not seen nor ear heard nor has entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. That is not talking about heaven. That's talking about here. There is so much more to being a Christian and living the Christian life than just being a ticket holder and saying, oh, wait for Jesus to come, right? There's so much more. Matthew chapter 13 Jesus tells the parable, the sower 
For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because seeing, they do not see. And hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, hearing you will hear and shall not understand, seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes, they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts. And what? Turn so that I could heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. And I jokingly say to you all along the way, you know, I'm trying to run people off. As it turns out, if you just preach the gospel, preach the scriptures, you don't have to run people off. They leave. And if you are listening, why are you listening? Oh, I think it's interesting. What are you going to do with it? Well, now you're being mean and sarcastic. When are you going to do something with it already? I went round and round with Claude, the old man that discipled me, and I'd go see him and he'd give me something and I'd come back. I wouldn't go see him for months because I'd lock up on the thing he gave me. The number one thing that I remember was that in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And I told that old man he was nuts. And my mama gets sick or dies. Oh God, you know, I thank you my mama's sick and gonna die. I said, dude, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. And I blah, 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 blah. I said, I'm not doing that. He said, you will. So he sent me home to run my traps. And then finally one day, I was like, okay, Lord, my way's not working. I'm grumbling, complaining, whining. Other words, I'll thank you. And then that changed, just like that. And I'm like, wow, that works. When you find a truth and you apply the truth, then you go, wait a minute, if that worked, what else looks crazy? But if it works, why am I not doing it? Now look at John chapter nine, verse one. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And look at what the answer is. Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Has nothing to do with it. But that the works of God should be revealed in him. So you're born blind. And you go, Lord, what's the point of this? And you get no answer. You say, okay, I'll go with it. Now, see, we read it after the fact. Jesus had an explanation, but did the guy's parents have an explanation? Did he have an explanation? Did an angel show up and say, behold, you are blind for the glory of God. You know, there's nothing like that in the Bible, right? Hang in there, the Messiah will be born and you'll be healed, but you have to be blind for over 40 years. But I want answers. I'm not gonna give you answers. This is why it's called faith. Now look at 2 Corinthians 12. Now, for anyone who says, well, I don't care. I want to know what I don't know. I want to know all of it. Well, here's what happened to a guy who had that experience. 2 Corinthians 12, 1. It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows such a one was caught up into the third heaven. So who is he talking about? Himself. But he's trying to be so humble or weird about this in a way that he says, I know a man in Christ. 
And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one, I will boast. Yet of myself, I will not boast except in my infirmities. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth. But I refrain lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. So he's trying to be very careful. Like I've had these crazy experiences, but I don't want you to look at me differently. I'm a man, but somehow God allowed this stuff. Verse seven, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I be exalted above measure. So he was on such a need to know basis. God revealed all this stuff to him and it was so overwhelming that the consequence was that he could have gotten such a grandiose, big head, whatever. God says, okay, I'm gonna authorize Satan once again, a messenger of Satan, a thorn in the flesh to keep him a governor on him, a reminder where if Paul even thought about saying, oh, I'm the man, I wrote half the New Testament and look what God has shown me, then bing, bing, bing. He gets zapped with his thorn, whatever that thorn is, and God goes, hey, pipe down, pig squeak, you know. I'm God, I'm using you, I've revealed a lot to you, keep your eyes on me. Doesn't tell us what this is, and pipe down, pig squeak is in the Aramaic. So, verse eight, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distress for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I'm strong. So you say, well, is God sicking the devil on me for some reason? Maybe. Well, I don't want that. You got to want him more than information about him. Whether you know it or not, you're always getting ready because you don't know what he's going to allow. We'll get back to Richard in a moment to close out today's talk. But first, I want to share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to take the planet. So it's our prayer that these daily talks from Richard aren't something you only hear and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. Together, we can do this. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's such a priority to us. So join us in this important mission. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD to say you're in. Or you can get on board with us through our website, richardellistalks.com. Well, here's Richard with some closing thoughts for us. Now you say, well, what if you make it to the finish line and no major deal? That'd be great. But what if God says, look, I'm going to allow something here and I'm going to need you to trust me because I'm going to get a ton of glory from this. Would you be interested in that? You say, well, Lord, could you give me more details? No, need to know basis. That's all I'm going to tell you. You're going to have a challenge, but I'm going to need you to trust me. And I'm going to give you, my strength will be made perfect in your weakness. And I will sustain you, but I will bring glory to myself through this. Are you in? Tiffany, were you in? Tiffany was in. You know how I know that? She held the line. She trusted him anyway. And I don't even have to go out of this room. Other people with challenges, some you don't know about, and they're holding the line. And not only are they discovering like never before what their relationship is really like with him, other people are discovering what their relationship is like with him. And sometimes your own wife doesn't get it. 
your own husband doesn't get it. Because in Job's case, his wife is saying, curse God and die. And he's saying, that's not the answer. He doesn't curse her. He just says, no. How will we accept good? Momentary affliction. If it was for his glory, would you be okay with it? So the thing is you really need to know is him. And so if you don't know him and you know you need to know him, that's pretty simple. Go something like this. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need your mercy. I see now, understand, and believe that Jesus died on the cross, was buried and raised from the dead to pay for my sin, to offer me eternal life, and like being born a second time, offer me a whole new life here in the hereafter. I accept the forgiveness of my sins. I accept eternal life. I ask you, invite you to come live in me. I receive you into my physical body, into my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. And what happens? He moves in. So if you prayed that prayer just now, you just got all of God you're ever going to get. You just have no idea what you got. But as you need to know, he will reveal it. And as you need to know, and God agrees that you need to know, he'll say, okay, here's some more. And as you do something with what he shows you, he gives you the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, and then you're up and running. You've been listening to Richard Ellis Talks. We really appreciate that you've spent this time with us, but we want to keep the conversation going with you. A couple of ways you can connect with us is by giving us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD. That's 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is through our website, richardellistalks.com. You can email us, sign up to get the daily talks sent to your phone each day, write on the prayer wall where we can pray for you, or even stay in touch through our Facebook page at Talk with Richard. We love bringing you the program every day, but it means even more to us when you let us know how the program has helped you. So call 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. Finally, if you enjoy the program, let us know by your generous support. It would really mean a lot to us, richardellistalks.com. So until next time, have a great day and thank you for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.